amazing people. Over the next hour, Bill Wilson and Michael Lynn White will talk to some of these amazing people about topics that interest you and give you just what you need to kick off your week with a dang on the Mr. Murfreesboro Show. What's up, Murfreesboro? I'm Michael Lynn White, and you are listening to the Mr. Murfreesboro Show, along with Bill Wilson, Mr. Murfreesboro himself. Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. And I hope that you all had a good week. We are live in the studio, and please make sure to check out the Mr. Murfreesboro Facebook page. We're going live from there, and if you're already tuning in, you can see that uh, our one camera is messed up but the most important thing is our guest tonight we are so happy to have our this is our one year power hour anniversary and so our very first guest on the mr murfreesboro show was the icon legend mr jim lewis hello jim how are you guys doing this evening? Good. Jim wow. is Mr. Stones River National Battlefield. Yes, he is a ranger there, and he is all things Stones River Battlefield. Going on 31 years at the end of yeah, this end month. End of this month. Uh, well, 31 years in the Park Service, uh, right. 26 at Stones River. Well, we're excited you're here because you were our first guest a yeah. year ago. And very popular. Everybody loves to hear you talk about the battlefield, <laughs> including us, of course, so... Um, thank you so much for putting up with us, you know, two times. This is our You came time. back, so we didn't I, run you off. Are you, are you okay, Jim? Yeah. You coming back? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, talk about Civil War. I mean, that's what I've been doing for a while, so I yeah. enjoy it. Well, we're excited that you're here. And, uh, yeah, people can watch us at Mr. Murfreesboro on Facebook. And if you, want, if you have questions, you can call in at 615-893-893. <clears throat> one four five zero so let's kick off the show how, how have you been doing you doing good been doing good uh you know, the, uh, the park is gearing up and we're heading into our summer season so uh getting busier and busier give us the, the state of the battlefield address uh, <laughs> we're doing well i mean we just got through the memorial day weekend which is you know one of the large you know most important holiday and events uh, of our, uh, our calendar for sure other than the anniversary there probably is no bigger oh wow um yeah given that we have a national cemetery and, and whatnot right. i mean memorial day is a really important you know part of our story right um and we were happy enough to be able to do it you know pretty much normal um you know no covid has been going on well well there's COVID's still, COVID. still around i actually had two employees out during that weekend did you really with covid um but uh, we still, still managed to us. pull it they're off still they're still with us, still with us. <laughs> yeah. that's good but, that's a good uh, thing yeah so uh, but we we did have some larger crowds we had our that was the first live um in-person event um on sunday when we have our service that's the first time we've done that since 2019 so that was a big um, that was a big deal for us so and now we're getting ready to start our daily programs this coming well this weekend i mean from here on out through mid-august we'll be doing daily ranger programs and we'll sprinkle in some living history and other events through the summer and fall so yeah and we're looking ahead 
December will be the 160th anniversary of wow. the Battle of Stones River. So y'all do a cool thing. The wow. Halloween they do hallowed grounds, the lantern tours. Um, will y'all be doing that this year? Well, we actually did our first one last night. Y'all did. Um, oh. Yep. Yeah, um, actually, like we don't one. do it on Halloween, but we do it in the summertime and in the early fall. So um, give us a ask, tell us about it. I know you have to have a. Uh, can you use a flashlight or y'all have lanterns we have lanterns uh it's a by reservation program it happens about every other week through the summer and into september um it's all up on our calendar and facebook page if people want to see when it's uh, available um we take folks through the national cemetery we stop at several of the grave sites and at those sites we have our volunteers in period dress um doing parts that come from letters diaries uh reports about the soldiers that are buried there wow um so we put a human face on these rows of headstones in a sense in some of the places and yeah it's a i mean i've been leading this program for 26 years (laughs) i still don't i mean you think by now i'd be be kind of bored you know Mm -hmm. hearing right no i mean i just did it last night and it just just still gives me chill bumps Uh, so you're one of the characters no i'm the generally i'm the narrator you're the the narrator um i are one of our other rangers and it's all volunteers who do the the parts that's awesome yeah so tell us kind of what, because I don't, I have not done that. I did a lantern thing at Sam Davis' home once, but I've never done it at the um, battlefield. So kind of take us through what y'all, you, you just did one last night. Is it every week? About every other week. I mean, so the next one coming up is uh, not this coming Saturday, but the next one, the 18th. Uh, we generally open up reservations for each program the week before at 10 a.m. on that Saturday before. Um, and then we have two in July, two in August, two in September. So we do about eight or nine of them, depending on how the weekends lay out every year. And you handle, what, 20 people, 30? How many about people? about 40 people. It's okay. a small group because it's a very intimate program. It's meant to be not like me standing out, you know, when we're doing right. a big cannon thing and boom, talking bye, over bye, the, boom. Yeah, to, you know, speaking over the sound of musket fire and cannons, but the the people that are performing are speaking in a very conversational tone we don't right. want them to project right so we want it to be a tight enough group for people to get kind of close and personal right um and it, it works i mean i inherited this program this is not mine by any stretch of the imagination this program actually we was were talking Gibb? about it the other day no it was before him this program has been running for nearly 50 years wow um in various forms um so it's a it's a great concept and it remains still one of our most popular programs to this day oh wow out awesome. of those 40 people how many were union how many were conf- i'm just kidding how many were there a lot of people do you see that are traveling or how many are local people it's prob- predominantly local given the nature of the need for reservations and stuff mm-hmm. well i had some folks from clarksville last night uh that came in so they'll come from a little bit farther away every once in a while somebody that's kind of scheduling a trip coming in may you know from another state or something like but the vast majority of folks is is local and heck the way murfreesboro and rutherford county is growing there's still plenty of people that have never seen it exactly (laughs) exactly i just think that's that's cool do y'all ever do anything outside of the battlefield like at evergreen or or is that because well oakland's does a a tour of of evergreen 
uh, yeah. a very good one. And I think they, they and the Rutherford County Archaeological Society has done some, sim, not lantern light, but they've done some similar type programs at the Old City Cemetery. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of sharing those stories behind the, you know, the stones themselves. Um, we are, you know, we do outreach programming quite a bit. Um, we'll go visit, well, we go visit other parks. We, right. Our cannon crew goes to, we've been to Kennesaw Mountain, Chickamauga, Shiloh, Shiloh. Vicksburg, helping out with their events. Um, we do local things. We've done partnership programs with Oakland's here and Sam Davis home. We were just out there for their yeah. uh, days on the farm. Right. Um, you know, uh, talking with the kids, we did a Signal Corps infantry and a medical. Uh, thanks to my volunteers, I didn't do all that. It was mostly volunteers doing that. Right. Um, and uh, we head up to Fort Negley every year and help them commemorate the battle in Nashville. So, yeah, we do a lot of outreach when we can. You know, I think it would be cool. I know to have a vintage baseball game there at the we've somewhere. been asked we've been asked but uh, we don't have a don't have a place to do we it. don't have a really good feel for it um because okay. most of our fields are managed in warm season native grasses right when you look at them now because they're growing really good it looks kind of like these big smooth open fields but right. when you cut a native grass field it's nothing but these little clumps <laughs> It's, and I had one of the guys from the, the baseball association that does some stuff at Sam Davis come out and says, oh, we can't use this field. We'll really? die. Like yeah, break ankles. They'll be tripping all over the place. I mean, the, the, Well, but <laughs> there was a lot of people. I mean, they died out there, but yeah. tripping. In, we don't uh, want any more casualties. No more casualties. We don't need to pad our numbers. What about oh, the, the where GE property? What, what's going on with that? Is that? Are y'all buying it, or is it the Civil War? Well, the, the American Trust. Battlefield Trust purchased it and preserved it. Uh, just recently, uh, the city council voted. Uh, they're going to be um, purchasing it from ABT with the idea of turning it into a city park. Um, that just will be no managed. more apartments. No more apartments. And this no. is located where? <laughs> this For is on Broad Street. For, yeah, on Broad Street. The corner of Broad and Thompson Lane. Uh, there's about 42 acres. Um, now we are continuing to pursue expansion of the parks, the national parks authorized boundary. So there'll be potentially the option down the road of it becoming part of Stone River National Battlefield. But right now, what we're looking at is the you know is is working closely with the city. Um, the area that area has um, limitations to what they can do on it. Right from american battlefield trust so there will not be ball fields and right. pavilions and stuff it'll largely be dollar Jr. open field <laughs> trails interpretation now we already have a trail system right next door in the mcfadden farm unit right and so if it continues as a city park the you know it's a perfect place for us to work hand in glove right 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 um how many acres do we have right is it four or five hundred acres the the, the battlefield is about 680 acres the park Originally, the battle was what, like seven thousand? I mean, it was about four thousand. Four thousand acres, yeah. acres. So it went from four thousand to whatever we are today. People That's don't awesome. realize when you're at the avenue, or you're eating at Jonathan's, or you're over at one of those mini storages over there. Uh, mm -hmm. That was you were you where battle took place. I mean, you know, yeah. battle began down where Gresham Lane meets. Route ninety six. Is that the Mabco or yeah? BP? I always say the, the battle started at the, at Mabco, the Mabco station. <laughs> yeah. 
and that's Grisham Lane. That was the Confederates headed this way, right? Or was that the Union? That would be the Confederates attacking the Union and then kind of wrapping upwards towards the north. To they were in Triune, weren't they? Before, before they were out towards Triune. Some of them. Hardee's Corps was out there for a yeah. little while. Then, um, when the campaign began, they had already sort of moved back to Murfreesboro, but uh, leaving just a small force behind. But uh, we're going to get into all that. We're going to. Uh, People just think of one battle, the Battle of Murfreesboro. And if you were from the north, they named it after a, uh, a mountain, a, a geography thing. Yeah. If you're from the south, it was named after a city. So if you were southern, it was the Battle of Murfreesboro. From the, the second Battle of Murfreesboro. The second Battle yeah. of Murfreesboro, because you had a, a Battle <laughs> of the Cedars, which we're going to talk about. And then you had the Battle of Milton, which is out in Las Cassis. Well, don't forget the forced attack on forced. Murfreesboro was actually That's the another. first battle of Murfreesboro. That includes Oakland's mansion. Yeah, and then there's ours. Then there's the one you mentioned, the, Milton, the Battle of the 64. Cedars. Well, Milton battle is actually its own battlefield. I mean, you know, and actually a pretty nice, it's not preserved or interpreted really, but, I mean, you can drive up to Milton and... You can it see. still pretty much looks the same as it did back then. For really, yeah. that's Let's part of tell, the, What about that? I that's part of the more. vault. Stan Vault's farm. Yeah, okay. I've worked with Stan. Yeah. Uh, 150th anniversary of that battle. I actually, he he allowed me to take a group of people out and walk yeah. around there. Also talk to the. We got the the stand is no longer the you know the Vaughts no longer own Vaught Hill, but um, another guy. Somebody from California owns it, right? No yeah, he has peacocks too. <laughs> Um, but I um, nice. worked with Stan and a couple other landowners and was able to give people a, a half-day tour. We're going to do that again soon. I'd love to do um, that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when I was kind of preparing for it, there's a few maps of the battlefield at Milton. And when you actually look at, like, a Google map, you can still, still see the, the old fence lines. And, I mean, wow. the, That's the, wild, the area dude. has not changed a lot now there has been a little development on the fringes i've noticed the last time i was up sure. there there's a few subdivisions i don't remember being there but right. um you know right in the heart in milton is uh is still pretty, pretty the strategic well preserved. part was the hill right the the hill itself and yeah. stan's farm yeah, yeah, um, yeah was where most of the fighting took place wow and the high ground i just want to clear something up the high ground at the battle of murfreesboro stones river was where the country club and Riverview is that correct yes those okay. are the two big hills somebody yeah. was trying to tell me it wasn't but i believe that yeah you got to wayne's hill well that's we what. we've got the expert here that's so right we'll I'm, I'm, I'm taking over <laughs> right here. We're do we have a caller we are going to take a quick little break and we have jim lewis from the stones river battlefield so don't go anywhere you're listening to the mr murfreesboro show we will be back after the break don't go anywhere Drake's Barbershop began when local resident Robert Drake opened the business in 1972. Veteran Jason Rigney purchased the business in 2003, and this kept Drake's Barbershop a staple here in Murfreesboro. Jason has kept the legacy alive and they will be celebrating their 50th anniversary on July 16th at the shop, so make plans to come and join the celebration. There will be live music and food. It starts at 8.30 and runs till 3 p.m. Veterans receive a discount for haircuts. You can follow them on their Facebook page at Drake's Barbershop. 
Who do you call when you drop your wireless device? Call iFix Wireless at 615-845-8113 or stop by and see Took at 1433 Warrior Drive. They are locally owned and operated. For all of your wireless device maintenance, go and see iFix Wireless near the corner of Warrior Drive and New Salem Highway. You can also follow them on their Facebook page at iFix Wireless. Old Stone Fort Golf Course is the place for you to get away for the day to play golf. Located right next to the beautiful Duck River and only five minutes from I-24. Whether you're a beginner or avid golfer, Old Stone Fort Golf Course is ideal for you. Golf carts are available and there is a golf shop. You can play nine holes for $9 and kids 12 and under play for free. They are located at 1017 Country Club Lane in Manchester, Tennessee. You can call for a tee time at 931-954-0366. You can also follow Old Stone Fort Golf Course on Facebook. Did you know there is a new title and escrow company in town and they have 20 plus years of experience in the business? For all of your real estate closings, contact Authority Title at 615-819-5880. You can also stop by their Brandy Wine office located at 319 Hickerson Drive just off of the square. They are our preferred real estate partner. You can also follow them at Authoritarian's Escrow on Facebook. Hey, it's Bill. Did you know I also sell for Parks Real Estate? Meredith Thomas and I make up the Thomas Wilson team. We have over 25 years of real estate experience and have helped nearly 1,000 families buy and sell real estate here in Murfreesboro, Rutherford County, and Middle Tennessee. Why not choose us to help you and your family with all your real estate needs? Give us a call at 615-406-5872 or 615-896-4040 or you can follow me at Mr. Murfreesboro on Facebook or Instagram. Curve them, crack them, or bend them. We can mend them. Come by Wheelworks, located 516 South Church Street. For a free estimate, we also sell performance and passenger tires, as well as aftermarket and factory wheels. We also install lift kits, and we've been sponsoring and serving this community for 15 years. Come see us at Wheelworks at 516 South Church Street, or give us a call at 615-849-3848. Find your next car at Car One. We carry an assortment of makes and models to fit every budget and lifestyle. Head to our website, car1tn.net, to see our inventory and specials. Financing is available. Call us at 615-962-9450 or 615-653-7298. Car One, your one-stop shop. Located at 232 Southeast Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Rhonda McCrary has been in the mortgage business for 29 years. She was voted as a favorite mortgage loan officer in the 2018 and 2019 DJ Ruthie Awards, and she's a proud member of the Middle Tennessee State University 1989 graduating class. She specializes in all types of mortgage products and takes pride in going the extra mile and personally taking care of her customers. You can visit her at 1639 Medical Center Parkway, Suite 203 here in Murfreesboro. Reach her by phone, 615-419-9193, or even apply online at loansbyrhonda.com. Okay, yeah, we've got a little birthday tune going on. That's right. 
I want to give a shout out to my sister-in-law, Mary Bailey Wilson. Happy birthday. She's a big Paul McCartney fan, so I thought I'd play that for her. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Mary. Mary. Happy birthday. And it's also our birthday, guy. Oh, I yeah. mean, this is our one-year well, anniversary. It's our one-year anniversary. Good That's good job, good Bill. Job. And Jim yeah. Lewis, he came back to hang with us <laughs> a year later. We've been doing this show for a whole year. Jim was our first guest, and it was so popular. Of course, everyone... We had to, you know, make somebody have a reason to listen to us. Bill. That's right. So we it got started Jim. with Jim. It started, started with, with Jim. So, you Jim. know, we, we started and they were like, oh, cool. You know, that was a good show because of Jim. Maybe they'll want to listen to us every week so they can listen to us talk our nonsense for a whole year now. Bill. We're, we're serious tonight. We're talking serious. about we're talking about history. We're talking about Murfreesboro's history. We're talking about. Where I always say where the battle of uh, well, the Civil War battle, the beginning of the end. Some may say, and Jim's going to fill us in, the end of, uh, I guess, depending on what you call Civil War, Northern aggression, whatever you call it, but it was the beginning of the end of the Civil War and possibly started in Murfreesboro. I would agree. Uh, the Battle of Stones River is, in many respects, uh, the Confederates have a, a chance to really kind of shift the, the military tide in the conflict at the battle. I mean, they do come awful close uh, to scoring a major victory um, on our battlefield. But um, once it's over, uh, the, the war is really on its way to changing both, you know, in many respects. I mean, militarily, the building of Fortress Rosecrans here, I mean, this becomes basically the launch point for the campaigns that will Tell a home see, campaign see the Union Atlanta. Army just drive all the way down through Atlanta and onto the sea, which are really the campaigns that win the war. And then also, you know, the war itself will change coming out of this battle. I mean, the battle is fought to provide a victory to support the Emancipation Proclamation. That's right. Which literally will change what this war is about. Right. Um, you know, before the war, it's about keeping the Union or putting the Union back together in some way, shape, or form following the Battle of Stones River and with the Emancipation Proclamation, we are on a, a trajectory that will mean that if, if the war is concluded in the Union's favor, um, which it is in the end, um, slavery's done. Right. And so it's, it's a, you know, it is kind of a changing point right there at the end of 1862, the beginning of 1863. And didn't Lincoln, President Lincoln... He gathered his generals together. Was it Meade or Thomas or somebody? He said, hey, we, we need a victory. We need a victory because the South, we, we, there's only one other state that had more Civil War battles. That's Virginia. Right. Tennessee's number two. Mm -hmm. So we, the South was moving north up towards Maryland and what Antietam. I mean. Yeah, in the, in the summer first, and fall. When yeah. it first started, there were people out having a picnic eating lunch and they were just gonna watch these skirmishes they yeah. didn't think it'd last that was four at, years yeah that was at the first battle of manassas and most was of that them bull run yeah and the, most of them decided after that particular fight that that maybe wasn't the best idea they ever had because a it, lot of them got caught up in the union retreat <laughs> right you know, so they got bullets whizzing by them while right, that was going right. on but uh no i mean you know um, the battle of stones river is indeed part of you know december of 1862 is a really busy month um, you got battles, a battle at Fredericksburg, Virginia, with the Army of the Potomac and the Army of Northern Virginia. You got Grant's Army fighting outside of Vicksburg at Chickasaw Bayou, and then you end the year with the Battle of Stones River. And the reason for that is Lincoln has pushed all of his generals 
of the major armies to go out and seek a fight and pick a fight, tr- try to get a victory get a- to support the Emancipation Proclamation. Of course, that darn near backfired. Right. Because Fredericksburg is a disaster for the Union. Right. And Chickasaw Bayou, it doesn't get as much press because it's way out there in Mississippi, um, but it's also a defeat. So when the Battle of Stones River starts, Lincoln's sitting there going, oh, I've lost two out of three. Right. We need, <laughs> they need a victory to keep it going. And it came off the of morale. close here, too. The morale. Yeah. Morale and like I said, he needs he the proclamation is issued under his authority as commander in chief of the United States Armed Forces. So he needs military success to back it up, just like he waited for the victory in Antietam to put it out there. Right. What's the advantage? Okay, let's look at the soldiers. A Union soldier compared to a Confederate soldier, they both about the same height. I mean they're 150, 60 pounds. And five 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 six. There's not a lot. Five seven maybe. Maybe you've got some tall. Some taller. I mean, but you know. there there's. Uh, here's what I always heard: that the South had the generals, the knowledge of leadership. Compare a lot of those were a lot of these generals were in school together at uh, West Point. Both Union and Confederate. In fact, there's very few generals, particularly those commanding armies, that are not West Point graduates. Right. Um, you know, you have some rare birds like Nathan Bedford Forrest who will rise to prominence. That, that, yeah. But even he is a cavalry commander. He is never in charge of an army. Like the infantry. Um, yeah. And so, well, he sort of is at the Battle of Cedars. He, it's ad hoc. He's, you know, he has infantry, cavalry, and artillery at his disposal. And, you know, you mentioned you wanted to talk about that a little bit. But, you know, the Battle of the Cedars is one of the worst whoopings he ever gets. Now tell and, us where, now what what year is that? Where does it start? That's December seventh, eighteen sixty four. Winding down towards the end of the war. Yeah. Well, it's the Union Army is basically besieging the Confederates, or the Confederates are besieging the Union Army in Nashville. Um, General Hood, the Confederate John commander Bell, at that yeah. time, is concerned about the fact that there are pretty close to ten thousand soldiers down here in Fortress Rosecrans, and so he sends. Forest down here to take a look-see. Um, he has orders to attack the fortress, which he pretty much dismisses out of hand because he would get ground in the dust if he right. did that. Um, he starts raiding and ripping up railroad track, and a force, a reconnaissance force, will come out of Fortress Rosecrans to engage him along the Wilkinson Pike down near where the uh, Rutherford County Chamber of Commerce Visitor Center is right. today. correct. Um, and Forrest will be so busy worrying about his cavalry that he will be caught with his pants down when his infantry gets rolled up from the right flank and he gets run off the field. Um, which, you know, I kind of say, I mean, you know, Forrest is an excellent cavalry commander and and raider. He is not an army commander. Um, and proof in the pudding is the battle of the Cedars. He cannot deal with he can't him. withstand uh-huh. he can't withstand the well it, he's not trained to coordinate the activities of the three branches of the army together now let's uh, do a flip thing where the battle the is it the first battle at the courthouse where he's in cannon county and he's got what 40 to 100 troops and he no he's good he's got more couple, than that. Couple Close hundred. to a couple thousand, okay, actually. Okay, yeah. my bad. <laughs> yeah. So he comes from Cannon County. It's still a here... small force compared to the Battle of Stones River, but yeah. The Union's camped out where we're at and around the courthouse, and they're, they're, supposedly there's going to be civilians being put to death and some soldiers, I guess. 
Forrest hears about it, and he goes, uh-uh. And then he heads this way, galloping down Main Street. And the way his the way he was, he only said he had 2,000. Maybe people thought he had 10,000. Talk about that. Well, first, yes, there is the story of there's some prisoners that are scheduled for execution, but that is not why Forrest comes here. Okay. He's actually on his way here when he hears that story because Forrest – and several other newly minted brigadier generals commanding cavalry brigades are going off and raiding behind the Union supply lines to try to cut them off so that they don't take Chattanooga because the Union Army is slowly but surely actually moving on Chattanooga. And so Murfreesboro is one of those keys. So his main reason is to do that. Um, Yes, he does come here, the, the Union garrison, the 9th Michigan and the 3rd Minnesota don't get along with each other, so they're encamped actually separately. <laughs> 9th at Oakland's, the 3rd Minnesota over by where the old um, Murphy place had been. Right. Um, and then there were, like you said, there are members of the 9th Michigan, the Provost Guard, right in the courthouse here. in the Right square. on the ground. And basically Forrest takes advantage of that doing, you know, this is really his first big thing at Murfreesboro where he instinctively is able to use the motive power of his horses and horsemen uh, to separately engage and take out and force the surrender of each and every group of guys separately. And yeah, at the, the end of it, um, he does use his, as he's taking the commander of the third Minnesota over to confer with the, the commander of the ninth uh, Michigan, um, he has his, his, smaller you know it's a small group of cavalry he has them kind of running around the the side streets of town and then circling back and coming again so uh, the, the sure. colonel's like thinks he sees like three times as many soldiers as he did because they're all the same guys they're just running around in circles it was a mirage <laughs> or delusion so the, the, the moral of the story is don't play poker with forest <laughs> he was he was a wizard good bluffer <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a trip, but a lot of people don't realize that he had like eighth grade education. He, but didn't he? He fought at Milton too in '64. That was Morgan. That was Morgan. That was John Morgan. Hunt Morgan. Yeah, you don't want to ma- get me started on him, or Shirley Jones is going to get mad at me if she's listening. He got married to Charles Reedy's daughter yeah. down here, Maddie, right on the square, Christmas time, mm-hmm. and Leonidas Polk, the uh, Episcopal, they called him a, something general, the Episcopal. He had a nickname. Yeah, well, well, he's the fighting bishop. The yeah. fighting bishop. Yeah. Fighting bishop. What about, we need to have Shirley Jones up here. She's, she's a big history. She's yeah, she'll tell you all you want to know about Morgan on the positive side. Oh, okay. I'm the that counterweight right? to Shirley. But he Why got, is that? Well, I think Morgan is a bit overblown. Okay. Where Forrest, you know, where Forrest as a raider was a, you know, he he could do it really well. Um, to be honest, I think the brains of the Morgan outfit was his brother-in-law, Basil Duke. Okay. Um, Morgan looked the part, uh, was really good about getting pressed, but Morgan also was uh, more than a little bit... Um, demented? Uh, not demented, but uh, he, 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 he doesn't take orders very well. Um, you mentioned the Tullahoma campaign. I mean, his job is to guard the right flank of the Confederate line that's stretching around Murfreesboro, trying to you know keep them at bay. And Morgan is all interested in taking another stab up into Kentucky and basically is told, well, you can kind of head that way, but if things start going bad, you have to 
you know, take care of your business. Well, yeah. he just takes off without any and leaves the Confederate right flank completely and wide open. The only thing that saves the Confederates from that mistake is rain. Um, the so, weather. I mean, really? you know, Morgan is not that, you know, he doesn't rise to a level of, you know, a forest as a raider. Like a superior. Nor as Joe Wheeler or Jeb Stewart as an overall cavalry commander. And he gets murdered in Greenville, Tennessee. Uh, somebody, I think he gets murdered. Well, he gets shot trying, he's been, he's trying to escape. So, yeah. <laughs> in Greenville, in yeah, Green County. Yeah, see, they track he's him down He's in his 30s. There. Yeah, he's in his yeah. 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. It's pretty wild. You think about all the, people don't realize all the so, history. Sorry, Shirley. So much. I know. Shirley's <laughs> we'll have to bring oh. Shirley on to hear the uh, other side. Wait, I think we got a caller coming in. I'm just a caller. <laughs> it's Shirley Jones. No. So people don't realize that at the Battle of Murfreesboro or Stones River, depending on where you're from, there was nearly 80,000 soldiers. If you woke up on December 30th, maybe, around here, Murfreesboro's population was probably as big as Atlanta. I mean, it was... There was eighty thousand. It was huge. I mean, when I moved here, when I moved here twenty-five years ago, it was eighty thousand people in Murfreesboro. Right. No. (laughs) So I mean, you know, people if people have lived around here that long, think about that for a second. I mean, the entire population of Murfreesboro just a quarter century ago was the army, and we're talking about a town that was three thousand people. That's why I was wondering how many people. How do they even support that? Well, they barely did. And, I mean, the arrival of an army, that was sort of a bittersweet occasion, I can imagine. I mean, certainly there are a lot of boys from here in the surrounding region that actually get a chance to touch base with families for the first time in a year and a half, two years. But on the other hand, you brought, you know, 37,000 guests um, you Where's, know, which is the size eat. of the Confederate Army, right. <laughs> and um, they basically clear a landscape like locusts. And you know, what's a typical day of a soldier? Say, that get up at camp. What are they? What are they eating? Tack. What? Tell us well, what they're doing. A typical day. They go off and march. That's what he was and, saying. He was like, they're clearing yeah, the land yeah, there. Yeah, Reveille blows at about 5 a.m. They get up. They have sick call. Um, then they have their dinner, you know, their breakfast. They call it dinner call for all three of them. But, they, you know, they'll have their breakfast. And that's usually some kind of a slop. Well, it'll you know, feathered side. It will often be some kind of a grain like a corn or, or, or whatnot. And Union would have their hard tack. Some kind of meat, generally pork. Um, pork. you know salted uh, pork um, if you're lucky maybe a little beef and you know that's that's actually your lunch and your dinner <laughs> so see how they um, kept them healthy eating like it doesn't well, sound like healthy worst, it is the worst diet in the world for, yeah. for, for men that have to work hard <laughs> i mean and the weather know, was nothing bad. but fat and starch yes but, um uh but they you know but it was weird they would write home when they went to the army and would start having this regimen every day and they'd say i've never eaten as well as i have in my whole life and i'm like oh my god what did you eat before that right wow but the big thing i think for them not so much what but how much how much you probably if you were living on the farm north or south you know you might have had two meals a day because you're kind of making making do right right now you're getting three square a day okay okay so it may not be the best smorgasbord that right. you've ever had. But it's not Ron's Steakhouse by any But you're getting <laughs> fed, and that makes all the difference. I mean, but, yeah, you kind of shudder when you think, ugh, they, 
you know, they, they, they are writing back, raving. Oh, I've never. Wow. You know, so then usually there's a period of fatigue duty if they have some work to do around camp or like, you know, here with the Union Army after the battle. I mean, they'd be sending out details to work on Fortress Rosecrans day in, day out. Which was one of the biggest in the, yeah. in the Civil Wars Fortress Rosecrans. Actually, the largest fortification of its kind ever built in North America. Are you serious? Yeah. Here in Murfreesboro. Uh, Go yeah. down Old National Highway where the new fire department is. That was part of it. Yeah, I need to, like, take the tour because I yeah. see part of Fortress I don't understand, like, the scope of it. The parts It's I hard see. to tell nowadays because okay. the city has, you know, grown up around. And, you know, we have a few of the earthworks remaining that the park preserves and interprets. But um, And there have been a little bit of new neg neg negligence over there next to the, the, the new fire hall there, yeah. uh, medical center. But um, that got bulldozed about oh no four, four or five years ago well oh four are golf they allowed course. to do that oh yeah i mean it's part of progress That's okay progress. Yeah. <laughs> but like where oh four golf course is now don't tell anybody but i actually snuck on there with a gps unit and took Did. gis coordinates of the whole thing before they took oh took nice care of it. okay good perfect so, so that, that was mean? technically you, trespassing. can we go metal detect on it well, you would have to get the property owner's permission to do that. <laughs> or go about one in the morning, right? <laughs> Y'all have had people, what happens if somebody gets caught uh, metal detecting? I know it, it happened way before our time. They accompany me to go the, see a federal magistrate judge. Nice. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> we take a dim view of, of metal detecting on the battlefield, mainly because the stuff in the park belongs to everybody, mm -hmm, not right. just one individual. And... Particularly when it comes to archaeological resources, we learn a lot from them when we do do archaeology, say we're going to put in a road or a trail or like when we were doing farming on the, the fields, we did a lot of archaeology in those open fields. Um, the things we find um, are important and teach us something, but it's really the physical relationships between the things you find that can tell you a lot of information about sure. what was going on there. Right. And if that gets taken away bit by bit, piece by piece, those spatial relationships go away. Right. And you can't, can't bring like it back. say, they found on the fields lines of dropped mini balls, which tells us literally there was a firing line there right so you can take the maps and and now we know ex i could stand there now and tell you men were firing from here right but if we just let folks take you won't, one know, bullet what's at the time, you won't know what's going on you would find a bullet here and a bullet there and a bullet there and you wouldn't have that line anymore okay. you wouldn't be able to to do that anymore interesting my thoughts you could give maybe a couple hours once a year let everybody come out and metal detect and then give you the y'all are there well take this actually stuff when we do metal detecting um i'd like to be there we but. have an archaeologist come to us from the southeast archaeological center because we don't have our own archaeologist so that's a park service unit right. that provides that service sure. to us and they kind of oversee the work but if we need metal detecting done particularly if we're doing a field survey or something we work with local metal detectors. that's the way to do, do it yeah because they and they, they they do great job because they do a lot of the research and um you know like and, philip hicklin you know uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah he's done a lot yeah um and yeah, it's one of the big ones we work there's a middle tennessee metal detecting club here that yes. they're kind of my go-to guys to kind of reach out to everybody and right. make that happen that's right i know ron reed and and uh henderson friends of mine the dig dogs i've, I've done some digging it's it's cool to mm -hmm. go I've, I've dug out at hoover's gap and come around and find a campsite and then you start running into where they dump stuff and 
I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's a cool feeling. Nobody else has touched that in 150 years. Yeah, nothing makes an archaeologist happier than finding where an outhouse was or a trash pit. That's right. Why an outhouse? <laughs> because they were trash. That they were the trash cans of the day. Right. When you were throwing stuff out, <laughs> you just throw it into the hole. I see. Okay. So and it's layer upon layer of, of the life junk. way of the people living in that, that area. That's true. Um, a lot of archaeology classes, like when I lived in New Jersey, um, uh, at Rutgers University, the you know, archaeology students would go out to the, the landfills near New York City. Oh, yeah. wow. And there you can learn about stratification, you know, how it's uh -huh. deeper, it's older. Right. Because, I mean, what do you do when you come to a dump? You come with a dump truck, pfft, and right. the next layer, and then right. the next layer. Oh, my so you can Lord. literally just cut aside. The years. You could do that up here in the dump up here and Mount, probably go all the trash way back more. Yeah. in Murfreesboro's history. Right. Yeah. That's why I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. That but, is you know, most soldiers didn't die from casualty. They would get sick inside the camp. Talk, talk to yeah. us about oh. that. Two out of every three soldiers in the Civil War will die of disease. Wow. Um, Dis dysentery, you know, That's diarrhea, the biggest killer I mean, of the war, uh, dysentery. Um, and, yeah, even on our cemetery, I mean, if you look in our national cemetery, you know, the, the, the grave sections that are right around the flagpole are basically the battle dead. And then there are bigger sections beyond that. After the battle. And the vast majority of them are all disease deaths. Um, so even in our cemetery, about two out of every three of the 6,100 soldiers in there died of disease. Camp is far more dangerous to a soldier's life than a battlefield ever could be. Is it because they're just all in there together? And, well, that's part of it. You know, um, Yeah, they're all in there together. We certainly don't have the kinds of treatments that we have. Right. Um, they had no masks, no, no social mask. distancing. They had I mean, saws for I like mean, basically amputees. camps were like mini you know, it, pandemics. It, I mean, right. Yeah. Bacteria places. Man. One guy comes in, um, you know, and one of the things the surgeon, you know, the doctors, is they were bringing in new soldiers and the being, you know, one of the first questions they'll ask you is, is anybody at home sick? Hmm. Because, you know, and if you say, yeah, you know, there's smallpox in town. You can't go back home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not going to tell the truth. They're like, no. Well, well, some of them don't. I mean, these physicals are not that great either because right. every soldier is supposed to have one. And yet we know that there was probably several thousand women. <laughs> That served as the, soldiers, so that physical was not that good. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> they would, they so they snuck like, in and they yes, acted like yeah. boys? Um, yeah. Um, a, a lot of times they were married women without children, and they were the company of their husbands. Okay. Uh, which often also meant that they were going to be part of a company, like here in Murfreesboro, the Rutherford Rifles is 110 men, right? So everybody in the company probably knows that that person is not a man. And they actually are part of the conspiracy to keep anybody else from seeing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are a number of reasons. I mean, that's probably the biggest reason that women went off to fight is they didn't want to be left behind and they didn't have children to care for. So they just went with their husbands. Take care of wow. their husband. Um, but, you know, I'm figuring that halfway decent physical should probably be able to tell the difference between a boy and a girl. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> I'll see how they've met. I have not heard that. That's crazy. You didn't know that? There's, no. a, there's a professor at MTSU that's written a book about the women playing a role in the Civil War. Look, what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And, um, and the one we're talking about is really, a, not to belittle it, but it is probably the, the, 
the minor part of it. I mean, women serving as soldiers is the exception, not the rule. Right. Right. Claire Barton was a right. American Red Cross. They think, well, they're just nurses. And well, the, yeah, well, you don't think they're just nurses? If, how many? Two out of three soldiers die from what? Right, dysentery. Okay, yeah. so you're in the hospital. There ain't nothing, no such thing as just a nurse. Right. They're the ones that are keeping you alive. Right. And women are the driving force behind things like the San U.S. Sanitary Commission and other things like it, North and South, that are basically providing a better situation for soldiers recovering and living in camp, uh, better foodstuffs. I mean, you know, the stuff we were talking mm -hmm. about with the food, you know, one of the diseases these guys would get, and most people think about it as a Navy problem, scurvy. 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 I was say that's scurvy. where you That's where you don't get no enough vitamin, no vitamin C. C. They would have big drives, like the U.S. Sanitary Commission would have huge drives to gather up bushels of onions and potatoes, which would go good with, with the, the meals, but they're also good sources of vitamin C, not just right. oranges and things that so we think about. Don't have so. scurvy okay. or rickets. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize that yeah. in so, the Civil War. Um, women took the place of men in manufacturing, um, just like we talk about Rosie the Riveter. Well, you know, Rosie the nailer, pegger, you the, know. The, the broader. <laughs> y'all had to have a maker. woman come in there. Somebody had to talk yeah. some sense into all y'all men. They're back behind, even kids. I mean, rolling cartridges was such a fine job with your fingers that you, I mean, they often use children to, you know, Wow. You know, so w women and their kids would come in and do this work. We're going to take right. a break. And when we come back, we're here with Jim Lewis, and we're going to talk about amputations. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> we'll be right back. Drake's Barbershop began when local resident Robert Drake opened the business in 1972. Veteran Jason Rigney purchased the business in 2003, and this kept Drake's Barbershop a staple here in Murfreesboro. Jason has kept the legacy alive and they will be celebrating their 50th anniversary on July 16th at the shop, so make plans to come and join the celebration. There will be live music and food. It starts at 8.30 and runs till 3 p.m. Veterans receive a discount for haircuts. You can follow them on their Facebook page at Drake's Barbershop. Who do you call when you drop your wireless device? Call iFix Wireless at 615-845-8113 or stop by and see Took at 1433 Warrior Drive. They are locally owned and operated. For all of your wireless device maintenance, go and see iFix Wireless near the corner of Warrior Drive and New Salem Highway. You can also follow them on their Facebook page at iFix Wireless. Old Stone Fort Golf Course is the place for you to get away for the day to play golf. Located right next to the beautiful Duck River and only five minutes from I-24. Whether you're a beginner or avid golfer, Old Stone Fort Golf Course is ideal for you. Golf carts are available and there is a golf shop. You can play nine holes for $9 and kids 12 and under play for free. They are located at 1017 Country Club Lane in Manchester, Tennessee. You can call for a tee time at 931-954-0366. You can also follow Old Stone Fort Golf Course on Facebook. Did you know there is a new title and escrow company in town and they have 20 plus years of experience in the business? For all of your real estate closings, contact Authority Title at 615-819-5880. You can also stop by their Brandy Wine office located at 319 Hickerson Drive just off of the square. They are our preferred real estate partner. You can also follow them at Authoritarian's Escrow on Facebook. 
Hey, it's Bill. Did you know I also sell for Parks Real Estate? Meredith Thomas and I make up the Thomas Wilson team. We have over 25 years of real estate experience and have helped nearly 1,000 families buy and sell real estate here in Murfreesboro, Rutherford County, and Middle Tennessee. Why not choose us to help you and your family with all your real estate needs? Give us a call at 615-406-5872 or 615-896-4040. You can follow me at Mr. Murfreesboro on Facebook or Instagram. Curve them, crack them, or bend them. We can mend them. Come by Wheelworks, located 516 South Church Street, for a free estimate. We also sell performance and passenger tires, as well as aftermarket and factory wheels. We also install lift kits, and we've been sponsoring and serving this community for 15 years. Come see us at Wheelworks at 516 South Church Street, or give us a call at 615-849-3848. Find your next car at Car One. We carry an assortment of makes and models to fit every budget and lifestyle. Head to our website, car1tn.net, to see our inventory and specials. Financing is available. Call us at 615-962-9450 or 615-653-7298. Car One, your one-stop shop. Located at 232 Southeast Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Rhonda McCrary has been in the mortgage business for 29 years. She was voted as a favorite mortgage loan officer in the 2018 and 2019 DJ Ruthie Awards, and she's a proud member of the Middle Tennessee State University 1989 graduating class. She specializes in all types of mortgage products and takes pride in going the extra mile and personally taking care of her customers. You can visit her at 1639 Medical Center Parkway, Suite 203 here in Murfreesboro. Reach her by phone, 615-419-9193, or even apply online at loansbyrhonda.com. Hey everybody, this is Bill Wilson, a.k.a. Mr. Murfreesboro. Thank you for tuning in to the Mr. Murfreesboro Show here on WGNS 1450 AM and 100.5 FM Talk Radio. Our guest tonight has been uh, Jim Lewis, who is the park ranger. Is that, is that uh, correct? Yeah, is I'm the, the, the chief ranger. At chief the ranger yep. at the uh, Stones River National Battlefield. And we've been talking about the Battle of Murfreesboro and other things dealing with the Civil War. I know when we left, I was going to say we'd talk about amputations. There's a house when you go down uh, Asbury from Old National Highway to the dead end. It's on the right. It's the McGregor House. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there was a lot of uh, amputations there. When The doctor, a field doctor, I guess a surgeon, Basically, what were their tools? A saw and a knife. I mean, what? And a, Actually, they have and quite a, an extensive kit. I mean, morphine, scalpels. Yes, they did have um, um, morphine and and ether um, to um, you know help kind of put the guys under. In fact, um, you know, a lot of commentary about guys that are in field hospitals. They say they like see the you know people moaning and their limbs twitching and stuff when right. the operations are being performed. And the assumption is they're not out when in fact that's what ether does to you it makes you twitch uh, you, you just kind of they kind of put you under but not all the way because it'll kill you <laughs> right right um but usually somebody kind of going uh, right and they're they're extremely right there's twitch. the edge yeah um so um 
because yeah, if you tried to cut somebody's arm off while without yeah yeah they're gonna a lot of them will just die of shock. Of course, a lot of guys did anyway, and of course, infection sure uh, was a terrible thing. But yeah, the McGregor House served as a, a field hospital, some mostly for cavalry down there. A little farther up Asbury Lane, though, is the Widow Burris House, which That's was right. a set up as a Union field hospital, and then changed hands as the Confederates moved forward through that area right. towards the Nashville Pike. So, uh, in fact, it was the Widow Burris House where we have that one grave in the National Cemetery that says the you know remain remain unidentifiable remains of eleven soldiers. And oh, those the, the Confederates. That, they were found after the war. In Barry near Bear. the Widow Burris house, you know, probably pieces in part. Yeah. Well, it was. You know, well, I figure with when they say eleven, they had to find like eleven skulls. Right. Um, and um, but yeah, there was probably a place where they did some kind of burying of some of the dead, but it was never marked. My understanding was when they would the surgeon would he would toss out the arm or the leg, and it it got so stacked up so high. Well, yeah, there's stories of you know I mean, where piles of up, legs up and arms, limbs, yeah. limbs, and you know, I mean, a field hospital was a horrifying place. I mean, uh, the the weaponry they used at that time, particularly that soft lead minae bullet, mini ball, yeah. um, it when it hits. Explodes. A, a bone it is it just tears it into you know a thousand pieces and um, i always tell folks when they come to the battlefield it, this is really not a function of of you know the relative state of medicine at the time which right. certainly compared to us today is not that good but um a good surgeon could actually amputate a a uh leg at the hip which is like the hardest amputation oh, yeah. there is to make the pelvic bone in, in 20 minutes flat yeah i mean these guys knew how to do their stuff and in fact if you compare the success rate the survival rate of soldiers of the civil war to an earlier war the crimean war in europe which is using the same exact weapons right the success rate of civil war surgeons is three times as good as the crimean war these guys actually were doing a pretty good job. We got about two or three more minutes. I want to ask you this: Was there a lot of hand to hand? Was there any hand to hand combat at the Battle of Murfreesboro? Um, Very I'm little. sure there was a little bit here and there. I mean, there was a bayonet charge. Breckenridge's yeah. attack on January second is a bayonet charge, but it actually doesn't result in hand to hand combat. Right. Because you know, pardon the pun, the point of a bayonet charge is to make the other guy scare him. run. Yeah, scare him. <laughs> and that's in fact what happened. People don't realize that. Uh, a lot of the names, streets, Breckenridge, the subdivision. There's a lot of Civil War mm -hmm. uh, uh, names dealing with Civil War history yeah. here. And um, if you had a house in the Civil War, more than likely anywhere around a battle, at one point a soldier came in there and either bled on the floor. I mean, it was if your house was close to the battle, it was used as it a got hospital used for something yeah. or other. If nothing else, cover. I mean, yeah. you know. And or it got destroyed. Even homes on the, Main Street, though, the Arnold house. house. Yeah, I mean, Bragg sees the Cowan house being in the way of his forces, and they destroyed. orders it burned. Yeah, you know, and so you you could come back and nothing left. Do you have anything you want to say in our last minute here of things going on at the battlefield? Um. Well, I just want to invite people to come out. I think we mentioned, I mean, you know, we're into our summer season now, so there will be an, an opportunity for people to interact with my team for, you know, to get some more personal interpretation every single day through the middle of August. And, uh, you know, check our calendar, and we've got some events coming up that they can enjoy as well. And then y'all can follow 
the Stones River National Battlefield the, on uh, Facebook. Right. Our handle is Stones River NPS. And then y'all can watch this podcast at Apple, the Mr. Murfreesboro Show. I want to thank uh, Jim Lewis for being our guest tonight, and thank you so much for taking your time. Well, thanks, Bill, and congratulations on one year. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Barbershop began when local resident Robert Drake opened the business in 1972. Veteran Jason Rigney purchased the business in 2003, and this kept Drake's Barbershop a staple here in Murfreesboro. Jason has kept the legacy alive and they will be celebrating their 50th anniversary on July 16th at the shop, so make plans to come and join the celebration. There will be live music and food. It starts at 8.30 and runs till 3 p.m. Veterans receive a discount for haircuts. You can follow them on their Facebook page at Drake's Barbershop. Who do you call when you drop your wireless device? Call iFix Wireless at 615-845-8113 or stop by and see Took at 1433 Warrior Drive. They are locally owned and operated. For all of your wireless device maintenance, go and see iFix Wireless near the corner of Warrior Drive and New Salem Highway. You can also follow them on their Facebook page at iFix Wireless. Old Stone Fort Golf Course is the place for you to get away for the day to play golf. Located right next to the beautiful Duck River and only five minutes from I-24. Whether you're a beginner or avid golfer, Old Stone Fort Golf Course is ideal for you. Golf carts are available and there is a golf shop. You can play nine holes for $9 and kids 12 and under play for free. They are located at 1017 Country Club Lane in Manchester, Tennessee. You can call for a tee time at 931-954-0366. You can also follow Old Stone Fort Golf Course on Facebook.